0: Here's Johnny. (laughs) Anybody there? I said, Here's Johnny. Uh, You know what? Forget about it. Let me out. Hello, everybody. Welcome to A Tattoo Far, where we take a one idea, mash it up with another idea, put them together and throw them over the cliff just enough where we could catch them and pull them back up and laugh about it at the end. My name is Dietrich. I'm here with the lovely Athena. Hello. And with the beautiful Taj. Hello. <laughs> You're and kind today we're talking about taking movies out of their genre and putting them in another genre. How would that actually work out? Like, for example, if I took a movie that was dear to everybody's heart and turned it into a horror flick, how it actually would it pan out? In this situation, the movie that I chose was The Sound of Music. Oh, my gosh. That is right, boys and girls. I chose the movie The Sound of Music. And what would be so interesting is if we put a little bit of a horror flip to that. Let's check it out, shall we? Um, you know, the movie starts, uh, it was made April 1st in 1965. It's one of you, but it's not just the movie. It's actually based off of a stage musical, which is actually based off of a true story. Um, it's based off of the Bond Tramp family, which is a, a family of uh, singers. Uh, the whole family sang, and they went around all of Europe and, and was like the big vocalist group um, right before World War Two, and so they they were the hot topic. They were the in sync of the area of the era at the time. You know what I'm saying? So they were <laughs> going around singing. The whole family would, would get down with songs and and make everybody laugh and feel good. And in the basis of the story, so you got Julie Andrews, which was like her breakout star role. Everybody remembers her from that. She plays Maria. Um, Maria is a. Uh, what is that word? Um a post-a-lot. So a postalot is a individual who's a candidate of being a, a higher ranked um church member. So she goes to school, she learns how to to um basically learns church stuff, but also learns how to serve and things of that nature. So not like a nun, but kinda along the same lines, right? So okay. she's she's in a um was called an abbey, which is basically a school of trading type situation. And she's sent to this house as a governess. In the times of that time era, a governess was somebody who was basically like a nanny, like not necessarily a maid, but she was a woman that, that maintained the house and made sure that everything stayed in order. And so she did that, um, with Captain Von Trap, uh, which is played by Christopher Plummer in the movie. And basically he is a, um, he is a general, or not general, excuse me. He is a captain. He's a naval captain. And his wife passed, and he has seven children. So he's taking care of all seven children by himself and and still being a part of the military, but, but trying to figure out how to take care of his you know, children. And he's very strict and very stern with them, and everything is by the book, same way military, the way he was raised. So she comes into the household, and... Um, you know, the kids are giving her hell and then some, but then she winds up winning them over and and being nice to them and showing sympathy and, and, and basically relating to them to the path where they start love falling in love with her, you know, and, and she's got them singing around the house and, and doing chores and all this kind of stuff. And the kids can really sing, like all of them can really sing and, and, and impresses everything. And so, um, the baron comes home and hears the kids singing and he's like, stricken by how great that they are and, and just you know so filled with love and joy and he starts looking at her in a certain type of way and she starts liking him a certain type of way as well well in the midst of the story um there's a baroness who comes into the picture and she wants to bear she wants the captain for herself and so she sends maria away to to back to the abbey we don't need you anymore i'm gonna be the woman of the house you don't need to be here because she sees, she's jealous, and she sees how well that Maria is getting along with the family, right? Well, in the midst of the story, uh, Abby sends her back to the house, because they realize that she has such love for this family, and the whole nine. and so she winds up coming in, and they wind up singing, and, you know, the Baron, I mean, the captain winds up getting rid of the Baroness, the up marrying her, and everything's great, right before war breaks out, and the Nazis are coming, and they're taking over Austria, and they... You know, want to take over him and want him to be the capital of the military and want to take away the family. Long story short, for those who ain't seen it, spoiler alert, the family sticks away in the middle of the night. They're able to get to Switzerland and they're all singing happily ever after. Right. Right. Cool. So my change up in this story is a little bit twisted. Just a little bit twisted, <laughs> which leads to the horror part. But that's actually a good thing. So you're keeping the same premise of the storyline, right? She comes uh, to her family, falls in love with the kids, falls in love with him. Everything's good. The whole story in that instance is still the same. But what if? What if she was not who she says she was? What if she was actually a siren? Okay. You know, sirens are mythical creatures. Most people know them as being, well, water creatures uh, of sorts. Um, Some of them do know existence of of flying wings, kind of like vampires of a sort, you know, type of situation. But sirens are those who by the sound of their voice can lure people in in order to kill them for food or, or for pleasure, whatever type of situation. So what if she came there because she sensed the blood of the kids and as she starts singing was luring the kids into her charm oh my she was coming there she was coming there to feed on the family because she knew that he didn't have a woman in the house and therefore she figured who would miss a man with seven kids when he's not really around to raise them anyway so little by little, as she started singing with them and started making them sing, she realized that they actually had lovely voices as well, which in turn touched her heart. She didn't want to kill them. So she would eat on once or twice, um, just just enough blood to, to survive, but not to kill them. And right. in the midst of the situation, she falls for Captain Bond's trap. She winds up mating with Captain Von Trapp, and the way the sirens work is they mate for life. So once they, the once they latch onto you, that's it. Nobody else can have you. Nobody can come around you, and they will protect you with their very lives. Which in turn made her protect the kids, because now she can't see them as food anymore. She can only see them as he loves them so therefore i love them and because i love him i've imprinted on him so therefore nobody else is going to love him we're going to love each other forever well the nazis come and they're coming to take them away they're coming to take away the family and the whole nine. and she winds up killing the nazis in the meantime she's also (laughs) killing all the people in the village because that's how she's able to satisfy her thirst without killing the family and the husband and everybody has to get up and leave and they move to switzerland But the husband, in the midst of her killing spree, finds out what she actually is. And he is the only one that knows what she is. He has to live with that.
1: (laughs) Wow. So, so what I'm trying to picture is that takes a whole new twist on like, I'm uh, 16 going on 17 because that kid is dead as soon as he leaves (laughs) the cop. She's like, You ain't messing with her.
2: (laughs) Oh
0: my gosh.
2: So, it's like a romantic horror story.
0: Yes, it is a romantic (laughs) horror story. Like I said, the premise of the story is still the same, but she is a siren, and she actually came there to kill the whole village, the whole family. Wow. And in the midst of doing so, she found out how beautiful they saw matching up with her voice, and her lore didn't work on them as much as it worked on other people. So because of that, she was able to curb her, her thirst for them and wind up eating everybody else in the process. Yeah. Yeah, you could build, like, a
1: whole thing, like, if you can sing in harmony with the siren, you know, the siren can't have its closest sway yeah. over
0: she, you. She, so. she won't have the closest sway, and, and she won't be as likely to eat you type situation because she feels that bond in that situation. Yeah. So, now, yeah, I like she, was, she was nibbling on a couple of them, just, you know, just <laughs> while they were sleeping, just, just to satisfy her thirst. She didn't want to kill them, though, so. Yeah.
1: And that puts a whole that puts a whole new spin on a few of my favorite things
0: because you just look uh-huh. at all the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Athena, I wish everybody could see your face. You're like, "Oh, like no, no, no yeah, no! I got
2: some psycho lady tasting children."
0: <laughs> well, it's the same thing as it, right? It was. Uh, you know, it took the form of a clown, but it wasn't actually a clown. It was actually an ancient being that, you know, fell on the on the fear, the fear factor of people, and because of that, children were the most acceptable to that. So they taste the best because they got frightened so easily. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. <laughs> Did uh, <laughs> yeah, y'all need a second? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I do
2: yeah, I'm, that's, I'm good.
1: Do you want to go next, Athena?
2: <clears throat> um, yeah, I'll follow that. <laughs> uh, so the movie I chose is uh, an American romantic comedy, 10 Things I Hate About You.
1: Wow. Okay.
2: From 1999, starring Heath Ledger, Julia Stiles, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, who else is there? David... David Krumholtz. Anyway, it just pretty much follows. It's I didn't realize until we were researching this that it's kind of a modernized um, modernization of William Shakespeare's *Taming of the Shrew*. Yes. yes. And so it's a good it's a good movie, but um, it's got this older sister of two sisters at this high school who is kind of. Um, hard to be around for both boys and girls because she just kind of picks on everyone's opinion and things and her father won't let either of them date and then in the beginning of the movie decides that the younger one can date because she really wants to as soon as the older sister who nobody can stand her and she can't really stand people um, as soon as she can or as soon as she has a date then the younger sister can start dating and so a bunch of the boys at the school end up trying to find someone for her to date so that they can date the younger one, and in the process of that, there's a lot of comedy and some interesting um, happenings. But I um, didn't really follow the the show. Mine, um, I kept the title obviously, "The Ten Things I Hate About You," and I mine's a little bit of a slasher kind of horror, I guess. Yep. Um, and it's it's I thought of like. I know what you did last summer kind of ideas. <laughs> okay. And so I have the movie opening up on on the high in a hallway of the high school and there's many voices being heard where different voices are saying things that they hate. And it just kind of you can just hear those and then the then there's two girls at a locker and it's where you kind of start the film and they're talking about one of them is talking about how She hates the creepy science teacher at the school, and the other one's starting to say something about her family, but then it kind of cuts to some boys in the locker room, and they're talking about things and people that they hate, and then it shows the end of the day, the kids are all going their own different way, and then it shows a family, and the father of this family is announcing that he is going to start his new job um, at the school in the morning, and his son is a student at the high school, and he's not very thrilled to have his dad at his school. So the next day at school, uh, this boy is heard talking about how much he hates his dad being so close by. So then something mysterious happens and the school is evacuated. And while everyone's outside, uh, the principal announces that they can't go back in today. So just go ahead and have the rest of the day off. So, um, one of the girls from earlier in the hallway meets up with some of those boys from the locker room and they all go to a local coffee house and they try to figuring out what they think happened at the school and the um, boy of the dad whose job is now at the school finds his dad because he wants to make sure he's okay and then his dad tells him he's fine and to go on about his day and enjoy his time so he takes his girlfriend and they go to a park and he's still complaining about his dad being at the school um, one of the girls from the locker scene at the beginning I gave her the name Talia she goes looking um, for anyone in any going in her direction to walk home now that they have the rest of the day off and she can't find anyone so she walks home and then I have her getting to her front yard and then just stopping and just staring at her house uh-huh. but then I have the camera cutting and it shows everyone going to school the next day and part of the science wing of the school is blocked off and they're just told that they can't go to those last two classrooms at the end of the hall, and rumors start to spread about what could have happened at their school, and um, the boy whose father now works at the school, I gave him the name Easton, he is relieved to find out that nothing happened to his dad. He wasn't involved in anything, and his girlfriend, who he was complaining to at the park, is confused because she thought he and his dad weren't getting along. He didn't care much for his dad being around. And so they um, are eating lunch with the boys from the locker room and um, the other girl who didn't walk home alone, I gave her the name Beth, walks up and is looking for that other girl, Talia, Um, and no one's seen her. And so eventually Talia is found by the, she's like snooping around by the blocked off classrooms in the science hall with a boy named Reef. And um, Reef is kind of a quiet, scared little guy that really only talks to Talia, and Beth asks if they'd like to hang out after school, but they both decline. Well, that night, Beth is Beth never makes it home, and she's not heard from. And the next day at school, everyone's talking about her disappearance and what could have happened. And something about Reef's eyes kind of show that maybe he knows something. And then Easton, the son, um, his dad, I gave him the name Mr. Banks, asks his son and his son's friends if they know anything. Okay. And they all say no, but they all decide to sleep over um, at one of their house and try to figure out if they did notice something maybe that they weren't aware of or kind of find out on their own Mm
1: -hmm. where Beth
2: could be. And Easton's girlfriend shows up and tells him, like, she's too scared about everything that's going on. And she wants him to spend the night with her. So he leaves his buddies and goes with her to her house.
0: And...
2: Uh, the next morning, on the TV, he and her find out that the boys that they left at the house are all now missing too. And their families are looking for them or anyone who knows anything. So the uh, a lot of people weekend is spent oh, by man. all of the townspeople trying to figure out what's going on to these teenagers. And by the time school starts up on Monday, um, all four of them are still missing. And so Talia, the little... Um, gal that walked home alone, and Reef, the shy boy, um, she, she leaves a note for him saying that there was a family emergency and she had to leave town for a little while. And so he, Reef, is upset because now he's shy shy and quiet, and now he doesn't have his best friend, and um, so he's upset to be alone during a time like that. And the school day goes on the best as it can with everyone being sad and afraid, um, Easton and his girlfriend are at lunch, and she thinks that something is going on with Reef, and so she tells Easton about it, and Easton goes and tells his dad about what she thinks. And, um, he, she, goes, she, she tells him like what she has noticed. She says that she's seen him at the coffee house where they all were that one day. And mm-hmm. that she thinks he's creepy and she doesn't like going there anymore. And so Easton tells all of that to his dad. And dad doesn't really know who Reef is because he's so quiet and kind of out of the way. But the next day, um, Easton's girlfriend doesn't come to school. And so the boy... Her boyfriend Easton thinks that Reeve had something to do with that because that's right when she pointed him in that direction and now she's gone and so he kind of confronts him and is starting to attack him and his dad comes around the corner and stops him and so now the dad um is talking to him and says that he hates that kind of behavior and you can't go verbally or physically accusing anybody when you don't have any evidence and so the camera cuts there's some more darkness and where's my next um it shows reef the camera comes back on there shows reef sitting all alone holding a newspaper and the headline reads father and son are found dead in the car on their driveway and there's a picture that shows the bank's house and then the next story talks about how there was a mass grave uncovered and the bodies of all those missing kids are in it and so then it shows clips of Reef being like in the background of some of those other scenes, like the girls talking at the locker, and then um, the boys in the locker room, and the coffee house, and the park. And so you start to suspect that it's him, but then it cuts to pictures of Talia's house, and there's pictures of um, her mother, who and who was originally the science teacher the creepy science teacher that best said she didn't like that she hated and so i end up having like the bad person being that mom and so everyone like is suspecting everybody else but it's this mom who overheard and like reef knew some of what was going on and tried warning certain people and yeah so by the end of it there's 10 different things that are stated whereas somebody hates something and that's where my ten things I hate about you came from, and they all end up dead by the end.
0: Damn. So is that don't mysterious
2: take- like science wing ex- accident had something to do with the bomb? And yeah, <laughs> I don't want to go into all the gritty detail I wrote down because it's a little evil. <laughs> yeah,
1: okay.
0: But, yeah. okay. Okay. I like it. There so. two of the dark side. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. I see it. I see it. Huh. so
1: it's a morality tale about don't go around saying you hate stuff then right okay, is... right. yeah, right. so makes sense
2: And I don't have a dark side. it just was brought out by having to be doing something <laughs> horror
0: whatever <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs>
2: hey, she only got back at people that used hate. You're not supposed to hate anything. You're supposed to say dislike. Oh. You're strongly dislike.
1: <laughs> <laughs> or disagree with, or, yeah. I got yeah. to.
0: Whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Alright, so, um, for my movie, um, I picked a movie that had John Candy, uh, uh, Maria Hemingway, Emma Sams, Raymond Burr, uh, Dylan Baker, and Charles Rackett. Wow. Uncle Buck? <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Buck? Uh, I'm not sure if we played Uncle Buck. but no, yeah. I'm just
0: thinking. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, no. Not Caddyshack. Yeah. Uh, not Pro Model from the Train. What? What is it? It's Delirious. Delirious. I, you know what? I had just seen that the other day, too. That's crazy. <laughs> so yeah. the, shout, shout out to John Candy. R.I.P. Yeah.
1: Good. So the, the reason why I picked uh, Delirious is because um, there is, you know, there's horror movies that are, you know, like uh, Sinister, Misery, and The Shining, you know, all about writers, you know, and stuff happening to them. But it, I'm a big fan of, like... Um, uh, uh, stranger than fiction, which is uh, you know a person that they're in a written world and stuff happens to them, and so delirious is that same concept. So it's putting a, a writer in his own written world. Yes. So um, and so the what happens in the actual movie Delirious with John Candy is so um, he's a soap opera writer, and so he has uh, this. He's trying to write the story, and so the the current producers want him to write off the main character and kill her, right? And bring somebody new in, and he's like, no, I don't want to do it, because he's secretly in love with her, but she's just kind of using him. And so, um, through c- circumstances, he gets hit on the chin by a, a car trunk, and so the, the next, you see him pass out, but then the next scene, then Sim driving in his car, and then he drives somewhere, and then he gets in a car wreck, and then he wakes up, but he wakes up in his actual soap opera fancy world. And so <laughs> the actors are there like being the actual characters that they are. And they call him uh, Jack Gates. And they're like, and they're treating him as a new character. And you come to find out he's, he's like, you're just actors. And they're like, uh, but they won't believe him. And so one of them says, well, why don't you just write your way out? And so he sits down and he types some stuff in the, in the uh, on this typewriter, the words disappear after a minute and then it actually comes true. Yes, so he can actually control what's happening in the world by typing it. But what's also happening is you come to find out that because the writers outside are secretly writing changes that they want to make to the soap opera as things progress, there's things that happened that he didn't control that were written in by other people, so he's trying to. Stop what they're doing. So there's times where they're like, try and kill off a character. And so he writes it. He rescues her type of thing. And so, uh, all this wow. happens. Yeah. And so uh, at the very end there, they, they change one of the main characters, uh, to be something she's not. So she was kind of like a, a wholesome person, but they they slowly change her character and make her this new person, like they change her personality type. So he, he rushes back to type to, to try and change her back. And meanwhile, the uh, Raymond, not Raymond, um, who is it? Uh, I have it written down. Robert Wagner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, his, originally, what's going on? He's Jack Gates, but then they have uh, Robert Wagner come in saying, he's the real Jack Gates, but then they have him ride right away and go back to Cincinnati. <laughs> but anyway, he comes back and, and he's trying to type away, and Robert Wagner's like, I'm the real Jack Gates, and he blows him away with a, <laughs> with a shotgun. And that's how it gets back to our real world. So that's how it gets back. So there's a trunk lid that knocked him out and he gets shot. And so then at the end of it, it's kind of this weird romance thing where he runs into the actress and he's like, Hey, you're perfect for this part. And he tells the other one that she's going, he's going to write her out. And so that's how it ends. It's like this weird romantic comedy type of thing where he was pursuing one woman that he, was Always bumping into the one should have bat type of thing, so so that's how the, the original delirious is. So, um, my concept so I'm like, the main thing is, I want that concept of a horror, horror writer being stuck in his world, and so the premise of the one that I have is uh, Jack is a writer of a primetime um horror show, but the thing is, is it's kind of like a charm. Or like a really early um it kind of less uh, less more vanilla but kind of like supernatural where it's kind of horror but it's not like really horrible or you know how like charmed is like there's there's danger you know there's demons and monsters but it's not like you right know, talking it's, like, still
2: <laughs> it's still daytime tv <laughs> it, it's still daytime tv
1: so yeah so you know and so what it is is uh you know, he's going, and uh, the producers feel like they need to make the show darker in order to get better ratings. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it. And and they're like, no, we got this great idea. We want to take the main character and we want to make her into a monster, both, you know, externally and, and internally. So we want to, like, take away her friends and, you know, ruin her life and, and you know, also go- make her go through these physical changes. So she becomes a monster and then, you know, our show will change and get better ratings. So they're trying to make it darker. They're trying to go for this ultimate season where, like, she loses everything. Right. And so he doesn't agree with it. And then he gets knocked out and he wakes up in the world, and so it, he's like, what's going on? And so as he's there, he finds out that he can type things to control it, but it, as things progress, the world is slowly getting darker, so the monsters that are in there were like daytime monsters, but now they're slowly getting more dangerous and stuff, and so wow. it's him trying to survive with the main character and her sidekicks and try to write their way out, and then you know ultimately you know he'll make a sacrifice at the end to kill himself and then he gets sent back to our world and then he you know retakes over the show so they don't go through that type of thing. so wow so, so yeah because <laughs> that was, that was, I was thinking it's like it'd be there's never been quite a horror movie like that where it's like you're stuck in the world but you have powers, you know type of right. thing yeah, yeah. so yeah.
2: I like it. You like it. Glad I could hear all of it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) 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 But (laughs) but not as dark as Athena, huh? I mean, because she killed off ten actual people. You know, me, I just killed off fictional characters. Yeah. Hey. (laughs) Goodness. I'm the dark one. I killed off a whole damn village, so I'm not joking. yeah but you're okay you took out nazis that balances out right
0: (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) like their families don't care like yeah
1: at the fringes of perception beyond the boundaries of your mind just past the glow of the firelight out of the corner of your eyes you will find an edge case EdgeCase Podcast, coming September 10th. Learn more at EdgeCasePod.com. So, uh, any closing thoughts? Any uh, other movies? This is dark. (laughs) This is dark.
0: Yeah, I like this one. I like this one a lot. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I really have fun with it. Um, Trying to figure out what to put the place in, like certain plot themes, like I thought about making her have amnesia so she didn't realize that she was (laughs) a siren, but she would be around the kids smelling their blood and like going into like a lustful rage, getting ready to like (laughs) smash one of their heads or something.
1: So I was going to ask, too, it's like, so Sound of Music, so which horror sound would you have? Would you have that that deep, like, the, the violin string one or the the big womp like, from uh, Batman, you know, the whomp, you know, whenever horror stuff happens, you know?
0: Oh, no, I, I would have the the orchestra strings. The horror string thing. Yeah, the horror strings. Not, not the one I did at the beginning, but the ones that, you know, kind of go through and they hit the climax when somebody's about to get killed. Yeah, I would do that. It's, it's it's scientifically proven that this particular sound wave will, will scare anybody. And that's why they put it in the horror movies. It's, it's to, to scare you of that point that's supposed to be scary, even though it may not actually be scary. Like a lot of horror movies nowadays, they're not really scary at all, but it's just that point of that music that hits that tone. So. Yeah, especially being like the sound of music. We go all about sirens and everything. And you're like, oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> <laughs> like... Open the mouth wide, smash out a bit. Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's how it was going to roll. It's going to be serious. Wow. I like it.
2: This was hard for me because I don't do horror. Like, I, I had to go and read some of those teenage scary things just to get an idea and I picked mine solely off the title and I had just recently watched it but yeah Hoarder's not my cup of tea really <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough She did a good job Right? Well thank For you sure.
1: <laughs> and, and she had the red herring and the turn like you, yeah. you gotta have that anyway, <laughs> yeah, I like that So yeah awesome, So, so alright Well uh this has been a Tad too Far. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and on our website, tattoo far.com That's T-A-D-T-O-F-A-R dot um, We're part of the Sioux Empire Podcast Network. Um, and so please subscribe and listen to all past and future episodes.
0: Bye. 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 just <laughs> <laughs> bye. <laughs> back.